calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Travelcast, episode 320. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Murder mysteries on this week's show. Writing a good mystery isn't easy. I'm still stuck in limbo myself on my own murder mystery novel about a gruff, hard-hitting cat detective. Keep getting stumped every time he has to open a door. It's always the details, you know? The difficult thing is presenting evidence to the reader in a way that allows them to be the investigator. Not too subtle, but subtle enough to where tension and suspense mount gradually. The last thing you want is an open and shut case. Unless, obviously, you're looking for functional luggage. But you came here for stories, not rucksack advice. Let's hit a hundred word story. This week's travel comes to us from Soledad Sakamoto, and it's called Motel. Soledad is a horror-holic, which is a really hard word to say. Her addiction started at a very young age when she was exposed to Spanish-dubbed episodes of Dark Shadows, deliciously enjoyed at midnight in the company of her mother. She knows how this sounds, but trust her, she's a fantastic mother otherwise. She now lives in Bakersfield, California, with her husband, two dogs, and she teaches high school kids how to truly despise mathematics, the most evil of all subjects, yet the most beautiful. And here's her very first travel attempt. The dead bodies strewn around terrify me, but the worst are the body parts, mostly legs. Why, I ask myself, who could be capable of this horrible dismemberment? I must find shelter. And then, up ahead, a motel. Relief floods my senses. I run as fast as my weary legs can carry me, and carelessly, like a marathon winner, rush through the open door. 
I stop dead in my tracks as I see more dead bodies, all peculiarly standing around like wax figures. I try to run out, but my legs are glued to the floor. Literally, all six of them. And that leads us to our feature story, half a conversation overheard while inside an enormous sentient slug by Oliver Buckram. Oliver's recent publications include Signal Jamming in Shimmer 2012 and two additional pieces in FNSF this year, Un Opera Nello Spazio, a space opera, in September-October, and Museum of Error, forthcoming. This story also first appeared in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in their July-August issue last year. So without further ado, we bring you Half a Conversation Overheard While Inside an Enormous Sentient Slug by Oliver Buckram. Why, thank you, Inspector. I'm ready. Yes, I understand my rights as a resident extraterrestrial. No, that won't be necessary. Of course, ask me anything. I only wish to see justice done. It grieves me to say so, but I concur. There's no doubt about who murdered Lord Ash. Let's see. When I heard the shot from the laser rifle, I was in the kitchen with Miss Moncrief. She was making cucumber sandwiches while I washed the breakfast dishes. Lord Ash has, excuse me, had a superb china collection. That teacup in your hand, for instance, is 19th century Wedgwood. No, no hidden appendages. I am as you see me. The slime brethren never evolved hands. We use our digestive system. It's quite simple. I clean the dishes by swallowing them. As they travel through my intestinal tract, I scrub them with various sphincters, mucous membranes, and stomach acids. Vomit them up? <laughs> of course not. That would be vulgar. Correct although I prefer the term defecate. Why, that particular teacup had passed through me countless times. I gulp it down, and a minute later it pops out the other end, spotless. Why, Inspector, you've spilt tea all over your trench coat. To tell you the truth, it is quite a valuable cup. Don't worry, I'll soon have the handle mended. Very well. Four years ago, my previous master and I travelled here from Callisto. He was a kind man, although over-fond of playing whist. After a run of bad luck at the gaming table, he was obliged to offer my services to settle a sizable debt to Lord Ash. That is how I first came to Ash Manor. Lord Ash was quite a different sort of master. He spent his time drinking, hunting, and, or so it seemed to me, tormenting his servants. It amused his lordship to employ me in menial capacities, although the brethren are renowned throughout the galaxy as scholars and healers. When Lord Ash was in his cups, he'd often accidentally spill salt on me as I tended him at his table. His drinking companions thought this the height of wit. It never failed to send them into paroxysms of laughter. 
Well, because it is our custom. Once we take a new master, we serve him until his death. Happily for me, that time has come. One summer, Lord Ash left Io to tour his estates in the Cooper Belt. He shocked everyone by returning to Ash Manor with a new bride. I'll never forget his first words to the assembled household. He said to obey her as we would obey him. Your cup is now repaired, Inspector. Shall I excrete it? I'm sure Miss Moncrief would be happy to make you a fresh pot of tea. As you wish. At first, marriage appeared to have miraculously transformed Lord Ash. He stopped drinking. He no longer screamed when his breakfast was late. He stopped kicking Pharaoh. My skin was free from salt blisters. He even gave up Pharaoh, his lordship's Labrador retriever. As I was saying, Lord Ash gave up hunting. Before his marriage, he used to spend hours with his rifle, stalking the magma seals that frolic in the lava pools. But it broke her ladyship's heart to see the little creature's suffering. So he stopped, or so he claimed. Those were the best days. Many a happy evening I regaled Lady Ash with tales of my travels throughout the galaxy. She showed me many kindnesses. Sometimes she brought me mulch from the rose garden. Once, when I suffered from a flare-up of mantle mange, she spread soothing salve on my skin with her own hands. Everything changed on their first anniversary, though. I was cleaning the fireplace in the next room and overheard the whole thing, entirely inadvertently, of course. He presented her with a seal-skin coat. He'd hunted and skinned the seals himself to surprise her. She sobbed, and she ran from the room. After that, things were quite different. She mostly stayed in her room. Judging from the salty taste of her pillowcases, she cried herself to sleep every night. Oh, yes, it pleased his lordship to have me wash the laundry as well. Lord Ash reverted to his old self, only worse. He started drinking again. He resumed screaming when his breakfast was late. One morning, he hit Pharaoh with a fireplace poker. Fortunately, while his lordship was out hunting, I was able to heal the poor thing. Yes, I mended Pharaoh in the same manner that I mended your teacup. Of course he could breathe in there. Perhaps you'd like to give it a whirl. I can clean your coat while you're inside me. It may be a tight squeeze in my pyloric canal, but I'm sure you'll be fine. Simply insert yourself feet first into my... No? Very well. After we heard the shot, Miss Moncrief and I rushed upstairs. Naturally, for me, rushed is a relative term. We found her ladyship standing over the corpse of her husband, clutching the rifle in her hands. She was in a terrible state. Evidently, Lord Ash had beaten her for the first time, I think, and she'd grabbed the rifle and shot him dead. Obviously, self-defense. Well, I suppose you're right. That's for a jury to decide. Oh, the death penalty, I see. How's the search going? Still combing the volcano fields for her? No, I don't imagine there would be. Not if she committed suicide by throwing herself into a lava pool. Very distraught, yes, when I last saw her. 
Oh, but of course. Any other questions? You're welcome. I was planning on taking the three o'clock railgun to Ganymede Central, if that's satisfactory. Yes, I've booked passage home on the Empress of Rigel. It's been far too long since I've seen my mucus kin. Oh, my pleasure, sirs. Good day. was our story. Hope you enjoyed. You know, it has been too long since I've seen my mucus kin. It's rare you get a story that so sensitively handles topics like poop and human trafficking. Good for you, Oliver. If you enjoyed our story this week, remember we rely on the support of listeners such as yourself to keep us going. Find support options off our website at travelcast.org. Certainly not anything I have to remind our kick-ass donor of the week this week of... Stephen Gurnant. Stephen trudges away in his day-to-day accounting position in Seattle to provide comfort and shelter for his loving wife. That's by day, of course. At night, Steve transforms from a mild-mannered accountant to crazed seeker of and attempted creator of fiction stories. I'm curious if this transformation involves a phone booth and or spandex. I mean, all writers have their process. We really appreciate the support, Steve. Seattle represent. You ought to try writing a hundred word or hundred character story for the show if you haven't yet. Cause I mean, someone needs to give Algernon Sidney is dead, winner of our 100 character story contest this week, a little competition. And here's his story. The dragon ate me, but did not destroy my amulet of protection. Still, after days of battling in intestines, I was pooped. purely coincidental that that story aligns with our feature story so well. Stories in exactly 100 characters, not counting spaces, we call twabbles because they fit awesomely in a Twitter post, and that's exactly what we do. Follow us on Twitter to get the winners early each week. We're at the Drabblecast. Post your stories in the Drabblecast forums at forums.drabblecast.org. All right, folks, that's our show this week. Remember, the Drabblecast is brought to you with the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Blog about us, tell a friend, write us a review on iTunes or elsewhere. Spread the weird. Special thanks to our episode artist this week, longtime Drabblecast art heavyweight and bacon aficionado Skeet Zyansky. And really, stop and take a look at the art this week, folks. How freaking talented is this guy? It's my new desktop background, and it wasn't easy to overthrow my last image because it was a watercolor of a predator taking out a pterodactyl. It brought me solace. Anyways, Skeet's been specializing in disc golf art since 1997. Also a lover of podcasts, Skeet has created story art for the Hugo Award-winning Starship Sofa in addition to good old DC. Currently, Skeet is residing in Charlotte, North Carolina with his wife, two kids, two pugs, and mountain of artistic awesomeness that is his day job. Find him on Facebook and get you some of that Skeeterized artistic goodness. 
Our program this week was brought to you by managing editor Nathan Lee, our art director Bo Kyer, with additional help from Nikki Drayden, Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Steffen. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you, we prefer the term defecation. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.